Hi there. Welcome back to the Real Film Chronicles podcast. As always, I'm Nathan. And I'm Brian. And in this week's very special episode, we're going to be taking a look at a little film called Extraction 2. Ooh, the latest Netflix action film. Uh, I know how much um, these <laughs> these Netflix movies mean <laughs> to you, uh, especially coming off of... I mean, I'm just going to get this comparison out of the way right off the bat because I think we're going to talk about it a few times. This is like the gray man left such a bad taste in our mouths that we have oh, an episode God. on it. We talk about it, you know, $200 million budget, this mediocre action film from the Russo brothers. And now we're back here with a sequel, no less to, to the first attraction movie. Uh, also this written by uh, one of the Russo brothers, at least, and produced by both of the Russos. Uh, so there are some like ties in comparison that can be easily made here, but um, like the first extraction movie came out a few years ago, like twenty twenty. You checked yeah. it out, obviously. Twenty twenty yep. is like, what did you think of that? Like, what do you remember? What rating you gave that thing? Um, I don't, but I'd be willing to bet dollars to donuts that I gave it somewhere either in the range of three to three and a half stars out of five. Uh, pretty I thought it was. Um, that was again. It was pretty solid. The pros for the movie, I think, what was really selling the movie were the the stunts and the fight scenes and the choreography. It was directed by Sam Hargrave, who directed the second one as well. He has a background. He's a stunt coordinator. Um, and he's I think he, the only feature films he's directed have been Extraction and Extraction 2. Um, and really, Extraction 2, you could really tell the best part of the movie was the stunts and the fight scenes. You could tell, it's like, oh, here's a director comes from a stunt background working with stunt teams, working with the actors and basically saying like, what's some really cool stuff that we can do to showcase, um, you know, stunt, you know, stunt people's abilities. And, uh, that, that part of the movie certainly paid off. That's, I think part of the pedigree of the first and second films and part of the, the selling points for those movies is the action, the fight scenes and in extraction two specifically, I, the first one I, I haven't had a chance to rewatch recently, so I don't, I can't remember. I know there were a couple pretty cool shots, but this one, it felt like there were a, quite a few pretty long takes that needed to be extremely well choreographed, which we'll get into later. But uh, I feel like those were the scenes and those were the you know elements of the movie that really sold the movie for me. The kind of story and background with the characters and everything that kind of fell a little flat and felt like almost like, I don't know, it's going to sound bad. I don't mean it necessarily in a negative way, but extraction and extraction to feel like the poor man's John wick or poor man's mission impossible, where it's like the mission impossible franchise and the John wick franchise have like the story and the character and the world world building behind it. It feels like they put a lot of care into that and extraction two feels like all that's kind of paired back and it's just the stunts and just the action and the characters. I don't really feel that same connection to the story is pretty forgettable as well oh what are your thoughts brian yeah like if they're i don't remember the story in the first extraction at all i mean the title (laughs) says it all it's like they're extracting people and that's literally all you need to know about this and the sequel is no different it's like the concept of it is so simple and so basic did you remember his two buddies there i think they were brother and sister i forgot them entirely from the first movie like this extraction two also relies on you heavily kind of remembering things from the first movie, which I did not. 
Yeah, no, I didn't remember any of the characters from the first one. I like I gathered because the, the movie kind of starts out and they, you know, I, I can I can deduce that these people were in the previous movie and you know they had their adventure <laughs> together, but it's like it didn't really matter. Uh, I guess in the sequel, but the first one, I there remember were no Simon it. Pegg or Ving Rhames for sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing; like, they're not as memorable as those Mission Impossible characters. I mean, to be fair, like we've had like four or five movies of of each of those, like, yeah, with all those characters. Enough. Like, Ving Rhames has been in every single one of those movies, but like, at least the characters are more interesting there. And I, but I also love like the John Wick comparison has to be there because it's also directed by Chad. Somebody, Chad, yeah, I can't remember last name right now. Sorry, and um, also with a huge background in stunt work, and that stuff shows through. And instead of like Mission Impossible Two, where very clearly Tom Cruise is the motivator to do all the stunts, and he wants to do everything himself, it's like John Wick and Extraction are are filmed by stunt people, and from that background, and it's like everybody's involved in the stunts here. And um, it really shows through on screen because we've we've been inflicted with action movies that are just CGI battles and like cartoon characters on screen that and, and don't quick often cuts. look great. Yeah, and quick cuts and everything. So and like shaky, you can't see what's going on. And here, like I mean, John Wick was so revolutionary at the time. It was just like, oh my goodness, this was fantastic. And now you you've seen it progress and you go back to the first John Wick and you're like, this is almost pedestrian by comparison. <laughs> they've, they've amped it up so much and extraction as well. I, again, I, I don't remember the first one too well, but I remember it being impressive and I remember there were some cool shots and extraction too. There are some cool shots and like, there are some really good action set pieces here. And I think as the movie sets out to be a very simple, like action first uh, thriller, I think it, honestly like really succeeds at doing that and um was worth a watch for sure i mean if uh we're gonna get into spoilers and stuff throughout our discussion on on the episodes if you haven't seen the movie uh, definitely check it out first uh, before uh, proceeding down this this path was uh, with us but geez man like i this is the netflix model tours like i just don't even know these movies are coming out until a week before before they hit right and it's like ooh, an extraction too i was kind of excited for this like I was more excited for this than I am half the movies that were coming in the, in the theater recently. I mean, the theater has been like rife with all, you know, comic book stuff and like revisiting old hero heroes like Indiana Jones. And uh, it's just like this just kind of felt refreshing again. And boy, that's I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because we've really derided like Netflix and their movies in the past. Right. Like they they often fall flat. Yeah. Well, I think. We've we've written about this and we've talked about this. I think Netflix is, you know, they have a very specific, it's a business model as opposed to an artistic model. And you see that reflected in the cancellation of TV shows after one or two seasons in the middle of like cliffhanger endings to the chagrin of audiences because the numbers on the spreadsheet didn't add up or whatever it was. Or you see sequels to movies being teased that probably are never going to happen. Um, although uh, there's a pretty, pretty good bet that the setup for Extraction Three is going to pay off. Like it, it feels like they wouldn't have ended Extraction Two the way they did unless they were pretty sure they were going to make Number Three. Because it. Well, I wanted to address that too because uh, I don't want to derail what you're saying. If you want to finish your thought, no, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say like 
they bring in Idris Elba at the beginning and end of this movie as like the handler, right? And very it's the clearly, Nick <laughs> yeah, it's just like very clearly there's an extraction three plan. And then you go on IMDb and yeah, you know, it's already been announced. It's in development right now. Yeah. Uh, but also I was reading that the Russo brothers kind of look at this as another cinematic universe they can build, not necessarily oh, God. With Chris Hemsworth at, in every single movie, but like all the different characters. Like there's, they mentioned like having a move, possibly a movie with uh, the origin, I think with the brother, like there's the brother and sister combo there. Mm-hmm. And I think an origin movie with the brother, and I could be mistaken because I'm reading these articles. I see the names. I don't remember the character names in this at all except for our main hero tyler rake i mean his rake. last name is rake right yeah okay yeah. <laughs> his first name was tyler i was like i was trying to remember is like some of the sound sa- i don't know i think some of the there was some issues with some of the sound on uh some of the scenes um but yeah also they had like weird teases like uh olga kirilenko was revealed to be his wife but I was like, you don't bring, but she didn't really do much but you don't bring in olga kirilenko into an action movie without the intent of having her do some action scenes, right? So, like the third one, who's that? Olga Kurylenko. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you remember? It was Oblivion. She was in Oblivion. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, but so was his like real wife in Oblivion? Not yeah, the, yeah. In yes, yes, not yes. The, what, what the aliens set him up with? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was also. She was the one. She was wasted as the villainous taskmaster in Black Widow. Oh, um, oh but, she was. Oh my, she was Taskmaster with like no lines of dialogue. Yeah. And Olga, right. Olga Kirilenko is like, she's one of those people. She's like incredible. She's a really good actor, but she's also got like the physicality to, to do the fight scenes, to do the stunts. So you don't, you don't pull Olga into your movies or your franchise unless you're going to give her some, some butt kicking to do. At least I hope so. Um, but that was, that was a nice little, uh, Nice yeah, I didn't recognize her at first. Uh, knowing that, knowing that now, like I would add a different gravitas to the scene where she they introduced her like three quarters of the way through the movie. You're like, oh yeah, no, she's coming back for more later. That's exciting. Oh, Quantum of Solace. She was uh, oh, Quantum okay. of Solace as well. That's where a lot of people probably would have seen her. But she's got her. She's got some high action chops. So that's why it's like, oh, but she comes in as the wife and it's like, okay, she's got to kick some butt in the next movie. But uh, yeah, it's kind of weird how they set it up. Although. On the other hand, I did like how they opened this movie. So they started with like the ending of the first movie and it showed us like, cause in the first movie, I remembered like he got shot a bunch of times, including like in the neck, which he has a scar for the rest of the movie. The second movie, it's like, okay, but like, it's like nine, it took him nine months yeah. and six weeks to recover. <laughs> so essentially 10, 10 months to 10 and a half months to almost a year to recover. It's like, I'm glad that they acknowledged that as part of the story. That was a huge part of the, the story. It was like him like, oh, yeah, I I went through this battle in the first movie, saved this kid, and I was like, oh yeah, you enjoy your retirement. So you earned it, right? You did this thing, you went through hell, and now you can enjoy your retirement until he's pulled back in for one final mission. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like it was nice to see. It's like okay, that that trend of you know there was a trend of you know action stars back in the day they would actually take damage. The most yeah. obvious example being John McClane. But even Schwarzenegger and Stallone, like they they weren't invincible uh, Superman back in the day. They were people can misremember a little bit in in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. Yeah, they, you, you, I'm giving Nathan a, a look. I'm thinking of Commando in my head with Arnold and <laughs> right. But Commando at the end though, he gets shot in the arm and he's fighting the last bad guy one one handed. Right, so he's 
it's okay. yeah they're, they're taking out scores of bad guys like everybody does <laughs> but they're also not afraid to show vulnerability and like oh i'm yeah. taking damage i can i'm gonna get hurt and and there was a swing away from that uh, and it's coming back now so i'm glad to see that uh in this franchise like oh yeah people are getting stabbed and they don't just like shrug it off or people are getting um they're falling yeah. down quite a ways and like oh yeah they, it, it takes it take, knocks the breath out of them and they can't just get up right away right like chris hemsworth was like kind of on the ropes in a, a lot of these fights against guys who were beating them with wrenches and other um, yeah. devices. Well, it was used successfully at the beginning when, yeah, you, you show him recovering and how long it takes for him to recover. And it's like, he's going back into the field and doing this new extraction. And, you know, he might not be at the top of his game in some of these scenes and he's getting his butt kicked here and there. It just adds to the tension of it as well. And um, now knowing that they're going to, possibly make a whole bunch more of them it's like he could possibly just like die in the next movie and uh, <laughs> they could just continue on with some other people or something there's just yeah i don't know about that um <laughs> i mean i mean i don't know if i'm on board for that i think like a nice trilogy like that's it's got a nice round nice you haven't round watched john wick four yet have you oh i've did watch john wick four oh, you did okay because there was one where it's just like i felt like at the end of the third one this premise seems like it's getting worn out a bit and then we do number yes. four and it's just like my god that was like a action masterpiece oh it was yeah fantastic. I mean, spoiler alert like john wick four i don't i don't foresee it not making my top 10 of 2023 like it's it was a phenomenal movie and like you said like we're getting a little bit off track here but like john wick three i felt like ah the premise is kind of worn and john wick four is like oh my god no i want yeah, I'm glad it. I hope it. Hopefully, it ends after four with John Wick as a character. Considering how that ended, um, I won't spoil it here. But uh, yeah, like John. That's why I was comparing Extraction Two to John Wick Four coming out in the same year. Both mm. major action films, both directed by um, either former. I don't know if they're former or current stunt guys. I think they're both still doing stunt work. So like the, you can't not compare those two movies and like if you're comparing extraction two to John wick four, there's just, I mean, there's no comparison. Like the, the fights in extraction two are really good. And there's some really cool shots we'll talk about, but like the, the, the choreography and the, and the shots and the camera work and the story in John wick four are just like top notch chef's kiss top notch. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's like, I couldn't help. I was watching this. And I was like, ah, oh, this like John wick four shows you how it can be done. And extraction two is just not, quite frankly not at that same caliber right yeah perfectly fair let's talk about the the basic concept of this movie of yeah like what the the goal is and it's it's an it's an extraction, extraction. <laughs> i i should have looked up a thesaurus beforehand to be like what are some different words for extracting people out of these hot zones like, I, I is like oh this is if they want to have a cinematic universe like inception then extraction <laughs> it's like they could have then insertion i was like maybe insertion oh, <laughs> <laughs> so have all these different uh you know, prepositions of fitting how how things fit together, <laughs> or rather nouns. So you've got this this gangster who's like the head of this crime family, and his brother, who's also involved in the crime family, obviously, and the brother gets thrown into jail. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the brother's thrown in jail, and he brings his family with him, his wife and two kids into jail yes. with him, I, I think as a as a means to like protect them from the outside world. As a means but also to as a protect form them in control. of control. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um 
And which, <laughs> when you're looking at it, you're like, man, what a crazy concept. And the idea is that uh, Tyler Rake here, Chris Hebsworth, and his team are going to go in, get the wife and the kids, because they do not belong in this really hard, like, nasty jail environment, and get them out of the jail. And I can't remember if it was a part of the mission was to, like, kill the brother, but presumably, you know, they wanted the brother dead anyways, because these guys are, like, really bad dudes with, like, you know, capital R, B, and, and D here, you know? And um, <laughs> so, like, the whole thing, the that entire, uh, that entire action sequence is... A quote-unquote one-take, 20 to 25 minutes long. It is sort of like the centerpiece of the film. I mean, it's pretty much the entire first act of the movie. But after <laughs> they extract them, things go wrong. The, uh, the, the brother is killed. And the other brother, who is played by the same actor, I believe, it was like... Oh, really? I don't know if they were twins, but they were the same actor when I'm looking it up. Like there's no really like they're the and I I'm gonna mispronounce all these names here, but like he's playing Zurab Radiani and Nicholas Radiani in the credits, and you're like, oh, I think they literally when there's flashbacks to when they were younger, they're obviously different kid actors, but the adults seem to be the same. If there's David Radiani, who, who I think is is the little boy. Not the little boy. He's like a teenager who like... Yeah, little boy. <laughs> wrecks later on in the movie. It's like the cause of so much mayhem. But um, yeah, I think they were playing the same character. That actor was playing the brothers because they're never like really on screen at the same time. In any event, that action scene supposedly took half a year to plan and rehearse and about a full month to shoot. Now, of course, we know that... Uh, it's not going to be, you know, an actual one take. It's going to be, there's a bunch of like digital cuts in it uh, through clever uh, filmmaking and, and blocking and whatnot. But it's still, when that scene gets going, I didn't know this was part of the movie, that this huge scene was in it. And it like, it keep going and going and be like, oh my God, like they've gone from the prison. They've gone through the streets. They've had like this helicopter chase. They've, they're in these cars. And then all of a sudden they're on this train and the, it never stops filming. And you're like, I'm feeling almost exhausted, but this is super exciting. I was really into it and <laughs> waiting for like that final hard cut to be like, damn, that action scene was pretty epic. I could see myself going back and rewatching that. What would you think of that? That whole first act of the movie? Yeah. So I think, so a, the reason we talk about like the reason that Tyler is doing this is because the woman that he's rescuing the wife is his former sister-in-law. And that's how he got pulled in. Cause he, he was, I don't know if this was touched on in the first film, but he was apparently divorced and he had a kid who um, mm. died of, I think it was cancer. Um, and that was a whole, a whole thing with his backstory. But the reason he went in was specifically because this was his former um, sister-in-law and, and kind of former nieces and nephews. Did we know that at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I missed it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When they, when they called up and it's like, Oh yeah. When Idris Elba is explaining the whole mission to him, it's like, Oh yeah. The person who, one the person who um you know is uh, requested this mission or paid for this mission i don't know okay, is your okay. ex-wife it's a it's one it's literally one line so and it's, it's entirely understandable how people could miss that because they don't he's just like tyler just like quietly kind of broods when he hears about <laughs> his ex-wife but uh yeah so when he that that whole first opening you're absolutely right um i think that i don't know if there was a hard cut earlier in that prison fight scene i don't know um when he gets 
there's one part where he gets hit in the head with a brick and then the yeah. camera kind of locks onto him as he falls down and everything. I seem to remember there was a cut there, but I probably I just, there was so much going on. I was trying to track everything. It was, he, tw- yeah, I mean, yeah. There were definitely some digital splicing in it. Cause like I, I can see how that took, you know, what do you say? Six months yeah. to, to plan out and to prep. Cause you had to prep out, not just, you know, what's going on in the foreground with Chris Hemsworth and, and um, I don't know the actor's name who's, who's with them, the mom who was being rescued, but um, she uh, like their, their whole journey, um, you know, they get the kids out and they get rescued, but they're still stuck in the prison, have to fight their way through the, the yard with all these uh, hardened prisoners, but all the stuff going on around, like you have a riot going on between the prisoners and the police. So like you got, I don't know, it looked like dozens, if not a hundred Oh, yeah. extras in the background like most of these people i'm assuming a lot of these people were were stunt people as well because like they were doing some pretty crazy stuff but you had to choreograph that whole thing and choreograph it in essentially 360 degrees because like the way the camera was moving it was moving around the action so you had to have people essentially you're you have to have that scene playing out in its entirety for that entire take whether it's the full, it's not obviously not the full 25 minutes. Cause like there's at one point it's like drones flying through cars yeah. and stuff. And so it's like obviously stitched together, but like, even if it's like three, four, five or 10 minutes at a go, that's an incredible amount of choreography where you have to have everything in the background. You can't have people just like randomly throwing punches, like NPCs. <laughs> it's like, it's got to look like, Oh, this action flows logically into this action. And then this, this person gets bumped into that person who gets bumped into that person. And then these two people fight. So much going on, it it almost it almost begs a second watch. Um, and one of the things I like, and we've come, we've touched on this before, but the action in this was so legible. Even though the camera was moving, but it wasn't moving so fast. There weren't a lot of quick cuts. It wasn't. I'm sure the camera was shaking a little bit, but it wasn't yeah. like the crazy shaky cam. You could easily follow the action, the geography, uh, the space, of what was going on, and figure out. Oh this person's over here and then the camera moves around and now he's over here where you'd, you'd expect him to be super easy to follow, but super kinetic at the same time. Like the action in this was, yeah, I mean, I got to give props for props or do the action. In this, despite it being a, a Netflix uh, special here was, uh, the action was yeah. Top notch. And I, I actually did find myself wanting to be like, I want to go back and just watch it for this and a couple other action set pieces. I didn't, re- I didn't recall, but now that you're saying it, it's like, yeah, the action in the prison yard and then the, that whole next scene, the chase scene all the way onto the train and the helicopters. I think there's a cut between the, there's no, here's the, I think there's a hard cut. There are no, there are no cuts. Is there not? In the obvious way. There are many, many cuts throughout the entire sequence. I mean, we've all seen 1917, how it's a one, you know, two hours nonstop. Right. But there are no like hard cuts yeah. that would be like, this is a cut for the audience is supposed to recognize it. Okay. There are lots of cuts hidden throughout. And so we're not saying this is definitely one take, but it's like, yeah, and that, it was literally 20 minutes no, of, no, no. of action. Like one, yeah. Of just pure action with the camera following the action. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm probably misremembering there. You're, you're absolutely right. In this case too, that's even more impressive because there's this combination of, you know, the stunt coordination, the acting, Cause you got people like giving lines and like, yeah. you still got the story going on and you've got the CG component of like essentially digitally stitching together those scenes. So it looks like one complete take. The effect is, um, yeah, quite honestly, it's, it's better than anything the, 
the Russos have done. Uh. <laughs> and I wanted to throw out too, because I, I think I was watching behind the scenes on a different action movie and the technology now in our cameras, and especially I, I assume this was shot on digital camera is that cameras have become lighter and more mobile, but they're still like heavy pieces of equipment. And in this mm-hmm. one, and you talked about the prison scene in like 360 degrees, you have literally a camera guy with like the steady cam, uh, the camera mounted to his body and he's moving around in the action. Uh, I mean, that stuff is awesome that they can do. Like he can keep walking around and filming this thing. It's all choreographed. Mm. It's beautiful. But what I saw in the behind the scenes, not of this movie, but another one, and I can see it in this one is that the camera will follow them. And all of a sudden they're getting into a car, right? And the camera does not really cut some, they're physically handing the camera off between the guy outside into the car like there'd be somebody else taking it and they'll actually change the mounting of the camera mid shot now in a lot of movies because these i think the cameras have become versatile and like mobile enough right and oh right and there's still going to be cuts here and there because you know (laughs) i think these things i don't know i wonder how long a a film camera lasts on batteries in a situation like that right because it's just like there's yeah i don't know like they're shooting all all these frames it's fantastic just get an extra long extension cord and plug it in you're fine (laughs) yeah and there's a couple shots too i think where it's like oh now we're going to like mount the camera to like the side of the car and it's just boom it's mounted there they're going to drive around it's now like remotely controlled. So it's like yeah. moving in a very smooth manner in bed. They can take it off with human hands later. Well, I remember from the first movie seeing some behind the scenes footage where there was another, there was a car chase, not as impressive as this one, but similar, but they were actually had a, like a car and on the front of that car was a camera rig. I think the director himself was like sitting in this rig and like doing a shot. So I'm assuming they use some of those shots again. They must've like, I think, with the drone technology and with Michael Bay in ambulance really showing off like what you can do with drones now, I'm assuming they use drones for some of those shots. Maybe they use some of the past through techniques that you're talking about for some of the interior shots and then just kind of digitally. I mean, I, I, that's still this way. It's like, Oh yeah, we just digitally stitch this together. Like it's a, you hit a button or whatever. Right. But like, and this is the thing watching something like extraction two or John wick four, and then going to other action movies is like there, there's no excuse anymore right why you can't show like intelligently show the action why you can't show action in like there's a lot of scenes in the, that took place in the dark both in extraction 2 and john wick 4 and i could see them clearly they weren't muddy they weren't like there's ways to light things at night where you can still see the action like these movies really are the pinnacle like just taking away any excuse that any other movie has like there's no excuse why you can't hire, take some of your $200 million budget, hire decent stunt coordinators and actually yeah. listen to what they're telling you. <laughs> yeah. Like I do have to give props, like ex- extraction to terms of action. Um, other movies need to watch this and, and take note and see like, this is what's possible. You don't have to do exactly the same things as they did. Obviously I want to see variety, but like, this is what's possible. Don't give me this nonsense. Now you have a hundred million dollar budget, $200 million budget. You you can't give me, um, you know, whatever it was, Wonder Woman 84 and the, the nonsense. <laughs> well, it, that, honestly, right? it's brutal. Cause like action movies, we we've grown up with action movies that we've seen them evolve and we've seen what they've turned into. And you see the, these trends and it's really fascinating because there was a time uh, that I think happened after uh, Jason Bourne. Uh, the born identity. Whereas like all of a sudden action movies now are going to be not these super hu- huge dudes 
they're going to be like mobile, agile guys like Matt Damon. Uh, they're going to be physically fit, but it's like they're going to be doing these these stunts, and that's where it kind of introduced like a lot of the crazy camera work with the fast cuts to be like you can believe this guy is getting beat down with like a phone book or, or whatever he's he's using, and then like taking. Yeah, and then they use those same techniques later on in like Taken to show that Liam uh, Neeson can do like jump over a fence in 15 cuts and you're like, what happened to our action movies now? And then we go into CGI and now we're back here with like actual, these actors like Chris Hemsworth, I don't know what his stunt background is, but he must be doing well. And it's like, I feel like everyone... He's doing the stuff. He's actually doing the stuff, though. He's doing the fighting himself. You can clearly tell it's him. It's not CGI on some other dude's face. Or and I think that's what body. John Wick really brought it forward is yeah. that Keanu Reeves is actually out there. He's learning how to handle the gun. He's learning how to do the moves. He's doing the roles out there. Chris Chris Hemsworth, he's going to be doing the same thing in this movie, too. And it's like, I love that they're allowing these guys to do uh, their thing, like the, uh, the stunt guys be directors and handle like all the action scenes. It really shines on screen. It's really fun to watch. You can show guys like, I know Tom Cruise is obviously a notorious for doing his own stunts and his own fighting, but even like Jackie Chan with the foreigner a couple of years ago, he's getting up in years, but he's still, he doesn't need 15 cuts to, to jump a fence. You can tell that this Jackie Chan is still doing these stunts. So like there, are, like you get, you need to get the people who are right for the roles, who have the capabilities and the skill sets for that. Um, again, like, there's no excuse why we have murky action with quick cuts where you action and reaction are in different shots or you, you don't get that uh, that same kind of action reaction beats. Even if you do do a cut, there are ways to, to, to cut that properly. Um, yeah, Extraction 2 and John Wick 4, really, this is the year of... Well, John Wick's been doing this the whole... Since this is the first one, but like really just raising the bar in terms of what can be done with stunts what can be done practically and where to use CGI to fill in those gaps for things that can't be done practically or to really enhance those practical, uh, practical stunts and practical fighting. Right. Here's where I'm upset. I did not get to see extraction two in the theaters on a huge screen. <laughs> Could you imagine that 20 minutes of pure action, like that whole set piece in the movie theater instead it's on the small screen. I'm, and I'm not saying this is necessarily bad. Like I watched this movie visiting my parents a, a couple weekends ago it's on their their big screen TV, but it's like a totally different environment, right? And it's like, this movie <laughs> deserves to be seen on the big screen. Like, when you tell me that that action set piece took six months of planning, I want to see it, like, in its true glory on a screen that I can't reproduce at home. But, yeah. I mean, that's besides the point. How was the rest of the movie, like, the the plot, the characters? Did any of that really, like have any <laughs> relevance to the movie at all? Uh, unfortunately, not the same way or the same degree that like the John Wick franchise, even number three, which I think was the weakest of the movies in terms of like story-wise, it still is like there was, there was characters and there was world building. And this one felt like, like extraction and extraction to uh, maybe misremembering extraction, but like extraction to really felt like almost like a, a stunt person's, highlight reel right it's like let's just like yeah. do as many cool stunts as we can there was that other fight with um uh the main bad guy where they're on the the glass roof there and that was that was pretty cool and that was pretty unique and then the of course the the ending fight when he's going to the the airport uh blow, yeah just blowing stuff up with 
his magic gun there that blows up his uh, anti-aircraft uh, magic gun. It's <laughs> a couple of grenades and that Amazing. airplane's blown up. But yeah, like some of the other characters, um, was it uh, his main second in command there, Nick Khan, who's played by, uh, I apologize for this if I mispronounce this, which is a, a good bet. Um, Golshifte Farahani. I don't know. I can't remember her character from the first movie, but I really liked her in this one. And I especially liked her, her fighting scenes, especially on the train. The train one was, was really good. Um, showing how here's a, here's a woman who's obviously not as, as big and physically strong as the people she's fighting, but and she wins against them, but it feels plausible, right? Where she's doing things like, um, you know, taking the knife up close and like cutting their arm, cutting their leg. So it's like mm-hmm. reducing their mobility, but she's also taking hits. She's getting stabbed. She's getting punched in the face. She's getting thrown around. She gets back up again. Um, I loved her kind of screaming and grunting, showing like the physical exertion of what she was doing. Like I'm really impressed by that actor. I, I would like to see her in, uh, in more stuff. Hopefully she gets a chance in some more uh, bigger name action movies um, Add her to the John Wick franchise and get her on the big screen. Like you said, Brian, but I, I really appreciate it that they took the time to think this out where it wasn't like the magic powers of somebody like a 120 pound person punching a 240 pound person and sending them flying. It's like, no, like it felt like actual physics still applied or a variation of physics from our world still applied in the extraction two world. And uh, I love to like, uh, I think they're taking a cue from John wick, um, especially John wick four where everyone's got the body armor on now. So you can't just like shoot one, one shot, and it kills the goon or the mook. It's like, no, like dudes are taking maybe almost to the other extreme now where they're taking a bunch of shots of the body armor, but still just getting right back up. Sometimes it shows that the, Oh yeah, that knocks the wind out of them. But sometimes it shows like, Oh yeah, we're getting shot point blank by a gun and body armor. I'm not sure how it works at point blank range. I know like from a, from a, from far away, smaller caliber stuff, it's going to knock the wind out of you, maybe crack a rib, but like, like you're actually pressing the gun against somebody's body armor and firing off shots. Like, I still I don't know if that's going to penetrate the body armor or if you're getting back up after that. But in the context of the movie, it felt like oh the bad yeah. guys weren't just throwaway dudes like they were holding their own and actually fighting back. And it's like okay, it felt like more of a challenge. And I really appreciated uh, you know the thought that went into even that those little character moments. Right? Yeah, there was the uh, like the assault on their. Um they were in like a high rise of some of some sort. Precinct thirteen. And after the whole thing, they dispatch of all these yeah. bad guys. They lose one of their own, and they're like debriefing the uh, the bad guy boss, and he's just like, "We lost ten men in that assault," and I'm just like, "That's it, ten men." Yeah. Like man, right? Because yeah, it felt like one more. Of right. Fights <laughs> kind of like felt like it was a hard earned victory, and the care the bad guys were getting back up. They were getting back up yeah, and they were showing it. up and they're like, they were relentlessly chasing them because they were armored up and they still had the abilities. And it's like, that was a nice, that was a nice touch. It wasn't just like 50 guys for one of theirs. Yeah, exactly. There was one, one issue I had with the fighting. There was one dude in particular, this big hulky yeah. looking tank dude. He was, he was super big. And it's like, oh, they're going to build it up. So like Hemsworth has to go up against this guy. And he's going to get his butt kicked. But he goes in against um, the, uh, was it, uh, Miss, Miss Khan there. And uh, she just shoots him in the face and he falls over. It's like, <laughs> oh, they were building they were building this guy up to be like this big kind of heavy. Yeah. It felt almost like video game-esque, right? Where it's like, here's like a, here's like a mini boss. 
it's like I felt like we're gonna get one of those kind of fights where the hero is like who's usually yeah. the, one of the bigger, stronger guys goes up somebody who's bigger and stronger, and he has to figure out a way using his smarts to beat the bigger and stronger guy. And it's like, no, he just gets shot in the face right away. It's like, oh, it's kind of like a. I was, I was a little bit disappointing. These movies have to subvert your expectations in some way, right? It's just like <laughs> we can't win them all, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but at least if they were going to do that, they should have played it off. They should have had like a little laugh or something. It was like, oh, yeah, you should have worn your helmet or something. What about the guy who got his head crushed by all the weights? <laughs> yeah, that weight, that weight room fight. I love like the yeah. one scene. There was one fight scene. It must have been just in Chris Hemsworth's home gym or something. It was like... <laughs> that's what i assume <laughs> it's like let's just shoot a yeah we're, i'm working i'm in the middle of a workout but let's uh let's shoot a scene in here while, while i'm working out but yeah like there's a couple scenes and like he takes one of the weights and like punches a guy in the face and like crushes his skull it's like oh that's horrific or the on the on the one leg machine where he kicks out the support and the weights come down and crush the guy's head and you can see the body twitching still like <laughs> yeah there's some there's some really inventive stuff where they're using the actual environment as weapons, and yeah, I think that goes. You can trace that history back to probably Jackie Chan uh, is an obvious influence in all of his work, but also Jason Bourne, where like you, you had mentioned, he was fighting with like a, a phone book or something, or uh, you know, it's using John Wick and the pencil, man. John John Wick killed a man with a pencil, <laughs> a pencil. <laughs> yeah, I think in John Wick too, they do that a lot too. There was one, there was one fight with a book as well. I think in number four, where or number four, or number three, where he kills a dude with a book. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate that. Again, goes the thought and the care that went to the action scenes here, where it's like, oh yeah, they really they really took their time and planned out. Oh, if there were actual people in this actual location with these actual items around and this in this actual environment, how would they interact with that environment? What would they do to get uh, you know a leg up on their enemy, so to speak? Um, I wish that was the kind of thought and care that was put into the script as well for the character development and the plot. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was that was not the case. But uh, the action, again, like again, easy to follow. Uh, it was kinetic. And it brought you into the scene, but it wasn't so... Um, it wasn't too wild. There were no quick cuts. Um, you could actually see exactly what was going on, which is what I want. If you're going to bill your movie as an action extravaganza, set piece, 25-minute no-cut you know, balls to the wall action. I want to see that action clearly. You know, I want to get sucked into the action, but I want to see exactly what's going on. I want to go back on multiple rewatches, go, Oh, I missed that. And this is why this happened. It's like, that's what I want to see is that everything's legible. Geography is clear. Um, and the people who are supposed to be doing this look like they could actually do it, which they absolutely hundred percent. All the actors in this, um, all the main actors, like they were filmed up close. You could see their faces. They were doing some mm -hmm. pretty cool stuff. And I was like, yeah, I hundred percent believe that those people, those were that those characters could actually do the things that they were purported to do. So like all, all of those. Yeah. Check, 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 check a plus on yeah. the action without a doubt. And it's like, I, I do wish Feather was like more memorable characters. I, I wish like there were some more heavier like focus on the story, I guess. Like it, I don't mind a really straightforward story to it. I think it can work to the advantage of the movie. Like this one is very simple and at 123 minutes, I mean, it's a solid two hours long, but it's like, I can see myself revisiting this and I think it'll be a very quick watch. Uh, you're not going to get bogged down with stuff. And I think yeah. comparing it to John Wick, where you do have memorable characters, they're in very different worlds where like John Wick, 
yes. <laughs> does set up time to have like their whole assassin universe. And it's almost on the point of, I mean, it's pure fantasy, ludicrous stuff where like every oh, yeah. single person on the street is an assassin. <laughs> but it's like that makes the world interesting here. This is very firmly like in our world, like things are real. And maybe as a result, it's like we don't get any of that fantastical element to it. Whereas like this is a guy who is sort of like working off the grid a little bit. Like I, he's, you know, what he's doing Chris Hemsworth and his team are arrested at the end. And of course they get sprung out by the secret organization and whatnot. But, um, as the one will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Sprung out. We and, need you for the sequel. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it right there. You need it for the sequel. And it's like, it's a good element, but it's not like creating super memorable characters. The Idris Elba showing up at the beginning and ending, like the, you know, the Nick Fury, like just giving him a mission. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a trope. Right. And, that's where the film falters a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, does the action make up for it? Boy, that's all I can think about is the action. So the maybe. Action. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just thinking when you were talking about them being in prison at the end, I was thinking about mission impossible ghost protocol where at the beginning of the movie, Tom Cruise is in prison or Ethan hunts rather Tom Cruise's character. But they, at one point somebody says like, Oh yeah, he's in there because he wants to be in there. He can actually get out anytime. And like, that was a little yeah. cool thing was like, and this one is like, felt like, Oh no, they were just in there and like they were kind of screwed over and they had no agency of their own. I don't know. Like you're saying, maybe there needs to be more of a bit more of a heightened reality. I also yeah. think that, um, yeah, Tyler talked way too much whenever he talked. I don't know. It felt like that was the kind of character who need to be really Spartan and be really kind of stoic. Need to be a little bit more John wick like not necessarily, not necessarily exactly like John wick, but I thought like some of his lines were just like, they're pretty bland yeah. or pretty flat. I was like, it, when he was talking with his wife about not being able to be there with his son, like literally he was like, he left to go on a tour in, uh, I think he said Afghanistan um, when his son was sick with cancer and he admitted to his wife, it's like, oh yeah, I, I, I could have stayed, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't watch my, I wasn't brave enough to watch my son go through this. I wasn't brave enough. I wasn't strong enough to, to, to yeah. see my son die in front of me and he left her to deal with that on his own and he admits that to her but she says something back to him and he says something at the end where he's like yeah i couldn't if he would just if he wouldn't have said anything and just had like you can tell chris chris Hemsworth can act let's, let's put it like there are certain action stars who can't necessarily emote chris Hemsworth, i gotta give him props to this guy's the whole package he can do the drama do the action you do the comedy but i felt like there was just like if they would have cut his dialogue like a, a line or two sooner and just let him be silent yeah. and mull it over or when this, when the, when the son of the guy he killed, um, essentially his, his, his former nephew or his nephew that could have been in, in another perfect world yeah. is talking to him about this. Like you killed my father. And then he gives this speech and then Chris Hemsworth, Tyler Rake gives this speech to him about, Oh, your father is bad and all this stuff. I think it would have been more effective if he just would have been quiet and just like yeah. he, his whole thing is like, he doesn't care what people think that he can be that emotional punching bag for the boy as he's taking his emotions out. If they would have cut back his dialogue a little bit and made him a little bit more like he's, he's obviously a traumatized guy. He's gone through, you know, his PTSD from his service overseas and the PTSD from, you know, losing his young son to cancer. I felt he was, he was talking a little bit too much or he had just one or two lines and the writing in this, some of the dialogue just felt like 
first drafty, if that makes sense. Whereas like they really could have had like somebody beside Joe Russo go through and do a well. What's uh, the thing? A is run that, of the dialogue. Yeah, maybe like Joe Russo here, and maybe like his brother too. Like they're just maybe not very good writers, right? Like I want to bring the conversation back to the Gray Man, which they also wrote and directed, <laughs> and it was like we have the extraction movie here where one of them writes it and writing. The script is one of the weaker elements of the of the movie. It's just like maybe like you look at all the Avengers stuff. Like they didn't write any of that. They they were like directors and producers, and that stuff. Even if they were writing, would probably work better in, as you said, like the heightened reality of the superhero world, where it's like it can make more sense. But like in this reality that we're in, that's presented in this movie, it, it doesn't it doesn't fit. Yeah, Anthony and Joe Russo. I know like they were being ragged on a lot. I hesitate to pile on them more. I'm trying to have genuine criticisms, but also acknowledge like they um, essentially got their start or their action chops filming episodes of community. Um, some of the paintball episodes of what they were known for. And they filmed it really, really well. And like the Avengers movies that they did direct, like they did winter soldier and Captain America three. And then the two, obviously infinity war and Endgame. in my mind, like those are some of the, best movies in in the mcu and i think like directorial wise they did a really great job with those movies so it's not that i hate everything that they've done or retroactively go back and say oh the russos are terrible but like gray man sucked i'm just it was really bad and then some of the dialogue in extraction 2 was just like didn't seem polished enough or just seemed a little bit too on the nose or did it seem more like scripty as opposed to maybe organic so I don't know if they're going through a phase or maybe they, you know, they had certain collaborators that they worked with in terms of writing that they didn't necessarily have on, on these movies that they had on the, the Avengers, or maybe Kevin Feige really is some kind of mastermind and his influence and collaboration with them helped it, helped it out. But there's, there's something like you're saying, there's some kind of element that's missing in all the post Avengers stuff with the Russo brothers yeah. where they, I don't know if they're maybe trying too hard or they felt too much of that pressure after directing some of the like most profitable, biggest movies in history. And like, maybe they're just like that anxiety of influence is weighing on their shoulders and they're kind of psyching themselves out. I don't know, but something is, is missing in the, all the post Avengers stuff with the Russo brothers, I find. Yeah. Like the Gray Man, Letterboxd average 2.7. Cherry with Tom Holland, they directed that in 2021, 2.8 average. Um, you, Me, and Dupree, they directed that way back in 2006. Oh. Like that would have been pre-community. That's a 2.4 movie. Uh, <laughs> these are just ones they've they've directed as well. And then four, uh, four Marvel films on top of that. You have Welcome to Collinwood in 2002, uh, which is their highest rated uh non-marvel movie at 3.1 average on letterbox so it's just like i don't yeah. know it's definitely i mean movies we've talked about before are a big collaborative process uh there's a lot of factors it's like you could have an all-star producer possibly like kevin feige and here i think with their success in the avengers movies they're given a lot of power to direct produce and even write these movies and they're not I mean, they're not <laughs> – all right, yeah, The Gray Man was bad. I'm trying to say they weren't, like, super bad, but The Gray Man was really bad. <laughs> yes. Right? But, like, this is not really bad, but they it's also did – It's not terrible, like, but it's not, so it doesn't like, have the same magic. I don't know. There's some There's some yeah. key element missing here. In any event, the um, – I mean, going off of The Gray Man, like, that movie cost $200 million to make. 
does Extraction 2 maybe like redeem Netflix a little bit for you after watching this and you're like, oh, they actually can make like a decent like action thriller. Yeah, this is the really frustrating part with all these net Netflix movies is that among all the mediocre stuff that they, it seems like they're just pumping out for the sake of pumping out, there are actually some really good movies in between here. Maybe not even some great movies. I'll absolutely like I'm not I don't want to I've been critical of Netflix and other streaming services and I think I think rightfully so. However, I have to give credit where credit is due. Amongst all the mediocrity, there are some kind of shining pearls. Um, there are some diamonds in the rough in here. And I think the the issue needs, is that they need to start focusing on um, quality over quantity, which is easier said than done. It's a different financial model. I, I understand that as well, that it's a different world than, than you know, the, the cable world and the movie world that came before. Um, but I think there's got to be some kind of equilibrium where they're focusing their resources on fewer, higher quality products. Not products, I hate to say products, stories, movies, right? Fewer, higher quality movies and stories and really putting the attention on that quality, maybe taking more of like, you know, the the golden years of the HBO, right? And taking that approach, we're like, we're going to sit down, like the focus has got to be, like the focus has to be on the writing first and foremost, right? Get the, the best writers you can, give them time to actually workshop everything and make the pieces fit together, give it enough time to have the drafts. A lot of it too, you'll see in big blockbuster filmmaking where they'll set the release date and then everything is working towards that release date instead of mm-hmm. let's start, instead of starting at the beginning and like, let's get the story down. And then we'll, on top of that, we'll build, we'll make sure we have the right cast and characters, make sure that we're, if we need to film on location, we can film on location up obviously in front of green screen where like people aren't interacting with anything around them. Ah, Ant-Man quantum mania. Um, <laughs> you know, like, and then on top of that, then you get the stunt coordinators, listen to your stunt coordinators, listen to your um, CG team, right? It's like your, your visual effects coordinators as they give ideas have that that true collaboration and give people time to truly collaborate and if you have to push the release date out longer you have to do it feels like we're almost working backwards and we're working to a model where it's like valuing or incentivizing quantity over quality and honestly i'm not an industry expert i don't know how you flip that around or whether it's a mat maybe it's a paradox of if you build it they will come of like oh maybe netflix has to or the, the, the Netflix bigwigs have to take that first leap of faith of, oh, we're going to not produce a hundred different movies and shows. We're just going to produce, you know, 30 and focus our resources on those 30 and make them as the best that they can be. And maybe that drives up subscriptions and viewership. Um, but it's, it's a different mentality. And uh, honestly, I don't know. I'm not a big industry um, expert. I don't know how to get to that point, but extraction two definitely shows that, yeah, it's not it's not all mediocre. You can make quality movies in a variety of different genres if you give people the chance. Now, how about this little detail? Um, this little guy? Famously, infamously, the Gray Man cost $200 million to make, right? It I was a money laundering scheme. It had to be. It has. There's no other explanation. How much do you think Extraction 2 cost to make? 75. You're pretty close. <laughs> now- I'm going to say take this with a grain of salt because I'm not sure it's 100% accurate, but whenever I Google it, 
Uh, it comes up with a $65 million budget. Oh, wow. And supposedly Chris Hemsworth was paid just a flat out $20 million to be in this movie. And I'm thinking, wow, that's Damn. a third of the budget in Chris's like salary alone, which is bananas. But I mean, this movie looks good. I mean, yeah. the action looks good. We've talked about it. And it's like, things look pretty awesome. Uh, and I also saw this other piece of trivia uh, because you mentioned Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol with the prison. Yes. This movie was shot in parts of the exact same prison as that movie. Oh, no way. That's <laughs> so awesome. There, there is a tie there that you pulled together. <laughs> there must have been something subconsciously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you recognize like walls, walls or something. <laughs> <laughs> watch, you know you watch too many movies when. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's getting to that point where we need to throw out our, our numerical ratings on this film. And uh, just a reminder, we use the letterbox five-star rating system, which gives us, you know, 0.5 to five stars with a special like bonus on top, if you so please. And um, we're forcing ourselves to rate these movies as much as we hate to rate a movie. And this one, for me, is difficult to throw a, a number on. What do, you, what do you give Extraction to? Yeah, I was originally going to give it a three out of five, but then in talking to you and just reconsidering some of the some of the scenes in there and some, and how much I actually enjoyed it. I think 3.5 out of five, it was a really solid movie. It was a really good movie. Um, and like you said, like I, I actually do want to go back and watch some of those action scenes again. Cause like yeah. there's so much going on and just like the, the technical, uh, it's just so technically impressive t- to watch what's going on, especially in that big I think 25 minute opening shot. Um, yeah. Or not opening shot, but like that big action scene at the beginning, Oh uh, yeah, I was I was loving every second of that, and I gotta give props where props are due. Like that was the movie was really well done. Fell down a little bit on character and, and plot. They smartly, like as you've said, they kept the plot super simple. Just like go in, extract these people, and then protect these people. Nothing yeah. crazy, <laughs> nothing too crazy. It's like just example. Just give us excuses where the, the stunt people can just really shine and the stunt and the fight choreography can really shine. It's like that, that's perfect. That works. Keep this formula, keep it solid. You don't have to, don't have to reinvent the wheel. If it's going to be a showcase yeah. for stunt people and fight choreography, I'm all in that. That's that works for me. Like, it's kind of funny because they're given a mission to extract this family and they, they succeed. They extract them and they're back in another country and they're just like chilling out. And it's like, I don't know how long it's in, maybe 35, 40 minutes into the movie or something. You're just like, this could literally be like their mission accomplished, right? I was like, this is, nobody got disavowed or anything. This is crazy. Yeah. It's just like, wow, this is, this is like an episode of a TV show or something. It's like, they could be done. And mm-hmm. then the, I mean, the, the little boy, he's still kind of loyal to his family. And he's like, he makes the phone call. They track him down to incur the rest of the action. But it's like, from the, our hero's perspective, they, it just like goes, it's like a football game to me. It's like they're on the offense and then boom, it's just pure defense for the rest of the, uh, the, the runtime was, it was kind of neat. I kind of liked that too. Like I like that aspect of it, but, uh, for me, I was really torn on the rating here. Uh, I, I did initially give it 3.5 and I was tempted to give it four cause I oh, wow. really do want to go back and rewatch like that, you know, the one take <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> one take uh, action. Yeah. Cause I want to see that action scene again. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just the rest of the movie was 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 fine, and I think 
part of it is just comparing it to what we've compared it to, like John Wick and how immemorable like some of these characters are in extraction compared to these other action franchises franchises that we're getting that are like i'm much more invested in their world than i am in the extraction world and it sounds like we're getting more of these so yeah it has to do with investment but i I think you hit the nail on the head this felt like almost like an episode of a tv show and some of the writing felt like almost Mm. tv-esque as opposed to movie-esque and maybe that's maybe that's where some of the some of the character building and world building felt a little bit flat but yeah, I think it was super solid. I don't think I would ever bump it up to a four, but like, yeah, I really actually hope that I would hope that Extraction 1 and 2 and 3 get out on physical media so I could pick them up. I would love to have them in here in the old collection to be able to showcase mm-hmm. some some really solid action beats and some admittedly some really great acting, especially from Chris, Chris Hemsworth, where he's dealing with the death of his son that I don't think we learned about in the first movie at all. Um, but you, you see, he's like, oh yeah, like, Chris Hemsworth is not just the goofy Thor character. He's like, this guy's got legit acting chops, right? And it's it's great to be able to to have that showcase. Not just not just Chris Hemsworth, but the entire um cast as well did a did a great job. Like it's really for me, really strong cast as well. Really, they all did a really great job. And the kid actors were not annoying at all, or the kid characters rather, which was a nice refreshing change of pace. Yeah, not yeah. always easy to pull off. Even the kid who was conflicted and he called, like you said, he betrayed them and called his uncle in. I was like, I think that whole, his whole being torn between the two worlds, that was actually done pretty well. And the kid wasn't Definitely. annoying at all. So like that's, again, props to the movies, the props to the director and the filmmakers for uh, getting around the uh, annoying child curse. Without a doubt. <laughs> we, we also have to talk about the... Uh, Ratings around the world here, around uh, at least three different sites. Okay. Uh, play along at home if you're listening, and I'm going to force Nathan to guess <laughs> the uh, different ratings that this right. has, starting with Ron Tomato critic rating. What do you think? If that's zero to 100%. Critic rating? Uh, I don't know. Let's go 74. Very close. It is 79% oh. critic rating. Okay. Which... Seems than I pretty thought. decent yeah. for such an action movie like this. Uh, the audience rating on Ron Tomatoes. Say 84. Oh, so close. 85%. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe tomorrow by the time this goes to air or whatever, it'll be 84%. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right. You'll be right. Uh, IMDb, you know, 0 to through 10. What, what's its IMDb rating? Let's say, oh, IMDb, 0 to 10. Um, 7.9. 7.1. Some, oh, really? Okay. And our preferred platform of choice, Letterboxd, 0 through 5, average rating. What do you think this is? 3.7. Ooh, that's too high. Too but high? not too, really? too high. It's 3.3. Oh, okay. A little bit lower than I thought it was going to be. Compared to the first extraction, uh, this has a 3.0 average rating on Letterboxd, so audiences definitely like this more. I looked, I gave the first extraction two and a half stars, okay. um, which I think is probably like that mediocre, you know, safe uh, rating. But I I kind of look forward to watching these again. These will be like, this. these will be fun. Do you have anything else to add before we wrap it up for the day? No, I think, uh, I think we have it covered. If you have a chance, if you haven't seen Extraction 2, Definitely recommend if you enjoy action movies and you're kind of tired or burnt out on some of the um, negative action trends you've seen in movies recently, check this one out. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I think 
what I remember based on the of the original, I think Extraction Two is one of those movies that uh, definitely exceeds the original in terms of in terms of quality, in terms of enjoyability. So, I would say Extraction Two, man, check it out. And that's a wrap on another episode. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us today and taking the time to listen to our podcast. We have a lot of fun putting these together and hope that you get some enjoyment out of them as well. You can find us online over at realfilmchronicles.com where we have not just a repository of podcast episodes, but many of our written reviews as well. If you're up to it, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram as well. All the links should be within the show notes here. So until next time, Take care of yourself and others, and be sure to enjoy your film journey.